Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the Delta Green tabletop role-playing game rules by Art Dream Publishing. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast will include mature themes and scenes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, military organizations, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or redacted, is completely coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your handler. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your handler, Michael Diamond, and we are back with Ocel in our various adventures. We're continuing our investigation into another creepy building. Seems we're going to take them back to the space, the garrison mansion, where I'm certain that nothing is amiss. It's all just an erroneous report by Delta Green. But first, at the top of the show, we'd like to thank you, listener, and especially you, the Patreon supporter. If you're liking or loving Delta Green, please tell us in the comments of this episode on YouTube. And of course, subscribe and enjoy all the rest of our content. So now we get to introductions to my right. Hi, this is Miranda and I play Dr. Aaron Weber. And I really hope I get a chance to meet more locals, maybe do some matchmaking for my fellow investigators again. That sounds like a fantastic idea. I can't wait to see the results. To Dr. Weber's right. Hi, I'm your friend Nate, and I'm playing Elliot Winters, Diplomatic Services Special Agent for the U.S. Department of State. We're on our way to a stakeout, y'all, and I'm not talking about the Outback Steakhouse. That's very true. And to Agent Winters, right? Hi, this is Allie, and I play Special Agent Joanne Hart, and I can only imagine and count the number of ways this stakeout is going to go wrong. Fingers and toes is my estimation. And last but most certainly not least. Hi, my name is Tegan Gilbert, and I am playing Brett Hawking of the Delta Green Architectural Division, and I am of the NCIS, also known as Young Buck, and I'm ready. Let's do this. Am I armed? I better be. I don't see why you wouldn't be. So we're going to return to our story tonight after the sun has gone down. The moon has come out, and long ago, someone left with something. More importantly, though, cloud cover has enveloped Red Hook, and in doing so has brought with it a series of sheets of rain. This rain drops pretty heavily for probably the first hour after sunset, and then eventually begins to peel off to sort of a relaxed or less than enthusiastic drizzle, much like a lot of men in their 50s. The idea is a stakeout. And that stakeout is of the Garrison Mansion. So what I'd like to know from our agents is, I know that there are two vehicles present. After this thing, after the neighborhood quiets down, the folks who are working construction go away, especially from you winners, what is the methodology? What's the approach for this mansion? That's a good question. I think I am considering what our good friends Doobie and Mona talked to us about last time, the motion and shadows and such they had seen on the second story. And as I propose, my good friends, Agent Hart, Brett, Dr. Weber, that we split up into two teams. One of those teams sets themselves down a little nest on a second story somewhere that has a good view of that second story. Another one sets themselves down with a good view of the back or the rear of this construction site and get a good, uh, a good angle on both the back of the site, but also where that manhole cover comes out and where that that alleyway exits and retreats see if we can get a maybe eyeballs on some of these weird raccoon possum rat whatever creatures that we keep hearing about what y'all think yeah i'm down for that second story lookout position dr aaron weber was going to say wait i thought that stakeouts involved sandwiches and coffee and a car you're saying we should stay inside the house not outside no, no, no. I'm saying we should we should be somewhere, a couple different places that have really good spots of view on that house. I'll tell you what, a vehicle's great for some stakeouts, but for something like this where we've got several stories on this thing and 
we're trying to not attract notice. It might it might be better for at least one of our of our group to be not in a car somewhere else. Yeah, well, we also could do half inside, half outside. So what I hear you saying is you're suggesting maybe two teams. And one team might be inside. And I, I, I 100% support that idea there, uh, Dr. Weber. Yes, thank you. Okay. So if the agents are going to split into two teams, please provide the handler with the team assignments. I'd like to take Agent Hart, and we can be Team Ruben. And then we've got Winters and Weber. They can be Team Cuban. Yes, I see what you're saying. Your second question, Dr. Weber. Yes, a stakeout does require a snack or a food or a beverage or a refreshment bag of some kind. Usually the uh, ranking officer is provided those refreshments and them snacks by the lower ranked officer. But we're all equals here, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, sure. I mean, no, we ain't we ain't all equals, though, uh, Dr. Weber. I, I just really can't agree to that. But I, what if the people that are outside provide sandwiches for the people that are going to stay inside the creepy house? Ah, uh, but who's going to volunteer to stay inside the creepy house? We... We all already had enough of the bullshit that was that building. You really want to go back inside one? Well, someone might come in from an angle that we can't see. But, okay, we don't know what's happening, and I don't think we can get all views from outside. So it really makes sense, especially if something's coming in through the basement, or we don't know if one of us or two of us or me and Winter stay inside. So our option is one group inside and one group outside, or two cars outside and i guess i mean if no one wants to stay inside i'm fine with two sorry a car and not a car outside agent hart can i have a a quick word no one as far and i'm whispering now to agent hart no one that i know has mentioned or suggested going inside the house except for dr weber is she is there something that she really wants to be inside the house or maybe i'm missing something but i'm a little confused about all this Feels like she really wants to be inside that creepy house. It does sound like that, huh? Does, I mean, do you want to go inside the creepy house? Well, hell no. That's why I suggested a nice, good visibility place in the second story somewhere where we can see the second story of this house. Aaron is staring at the house during this. All right. So I just wanted to make, I, I didn't think I misspoke and said that I wanted to be inside that house, especially after what uh, Doobie said I really don't want to be inside well I'll be honest especially after the last house McAllister I I have strong feelings about being inside of a weird house again I guess is there do do any of us want to go with her like would one of us volunteer well see that's why I want to talk to you Agent Hart because Brett already called you on their team and so I would be on Dr. Weber's team and if Dr. Weber wants to be in the building that means I would have to be in the building with Dr. Weber the teams aren't set in stone. We don't have to be inside. It's fine. We can. I just thought it would be good vantage-wise because we don't know what's happening in the basement. We can't see the basement, and we were kind of worried about the basement. But we can just be outside. That's fine, Winters. I guess, Dr. Weber, where in the house would you want to be? We know that there's no way for somebody to get into the basement. So... Would you want to be essentially patrolling the house or is there a particular place that you want to kind of hold watch? It was just an idea. I was just throwing it out there. I felt like we were really spitballing and they say there's no bad ideas in a brainstorm. And so I was just putting one of them out there, but apparently it was a bad idea in a brainstorm. And so it's fine. We can stay outside. We don't have to patrol the inside. No, no, don't, don't, don't say all that bad stuff about it. there ain't no bad ideas in a brainstorm. There's bad ideas in execution. I support you. I will go inside the house with you tonight and we will patrol it. I suggest you bring your uh, 12 gauge that you, you had last time though, or some, some kind of weaponry, but let's do that. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a good idea, Dr. Weber. I think one of you took the gun from me last time and haven't given me any guns since. Look, if we're going to be patrolling outside with weapons... Someone's going to end up calling the cops on us. Outside, not with weapons. Yeah, the the way that we discussed it, Agent Hawking, is that there would be a pair 
of us in the car and then a pair of us kind of, you know, apparently patrolling inside the house. As you all know, we would normally do this if this was a legitimate operation. We would let the local law enforcement know. So if they got any suspicious calls, but seeing as that we are not a legitimate operation, we just got to be a little more DL. Dr. Weber takes off towards the construction site. Big sigh. Well, I guess the game is afoot and I'm going to follow behind her. Okay. Weber, where are you going? So if something caught out of the corner of my eye, I will follow it to the greatest extent, which is why I'm taking off fast. Sure. And I will just follow it and get as close as I can. Like I'm expecting to potentially have to tackle a person or an animal. The shape you saw is maybe dog-sized, give or take, in the sense that it's probably between 25 to 45 pounds. It doesn't mean that it's shaped like a dog. It could be a small missing child. It could be. It certainly, certainly could be. You chase to the area where you saw it go. It looked like pallets and there's a Maersk crate there. It's locked up. You've seen the construction staff go in and out of it to get power tools and that sort of thing. In fact, you remember Max saying something about them putting in some sort of locking system after tools got busted or broken or stolen. Winters, Winters, I saw some. I saw something come running, running past here. I thought maybe we had them, but it was small, and it was uh, like I don't know, like I don't know, like thirty pounds or something. It wasn't, too, but maybe it's like the child or I don't know. But I saw him. Weber's trying to kind of catch her breath because she really took off here, and she's not an athlete. She's not. She sits with, in quiet contemplation with her birds. All right. And curses her ex-husband. And curses her ex-husband. She's not out of shape, but she does not go to the gym. Okay, so it is dark. And currently you are without external light. Winters, do you have a flashlight? Do you have anything on you? Uh... Yeah, of course I got a flashlight. And I'm looking around in the dark first. Do I see any no- movement? motion? Nope. All right, then I'm going to click the flashlight on. Aaron, where where did you see this thing? What direction? Uh, It went back like in this kind of, you said it was like a gated kind of great area, right? Yeah, so let me give you a little bit of a narrative rundown of where you're at. So you were across the street with your cars having your prepared stakeout space waiting for construction folks to stop. Eventually, you get out of the car, you're you're having conversations probably under um, a sidewalk banner or something like that, or an overhang so that you're not in this cramped car trying to have secret conversations where Dr. Weber can't hear you, which would sort of be a farce. But she bolts from that space across the street and then into the construction space where there's this fence, right? So she gets to the fence and has to stop. But that Maersk crate that I talked about is probably... 20 or 30 feet inside, you saw the shape from one end of the fence where closest to you basically run or move up and around that crate to the spot where you can't see. So that's where you're at. You're at the fence line, fingers in the wet chain link, trying to see deeper into the construction site. Aaron, this is where they said that they uh, stored them tools. And they also remember they said their, their tools have been messed with over and over you thought that this was a kid, or was this like one of the the animals that they've been we, we've heard described to us? Well, it could have been an animal, but it was big, like a I mean, it's like like twenty, thirty pounds, probably like a dog sized or. Mm-hmm. Was it was it on all fours, or was it walking on two? Did you, did you get a glimpse? I couldn't tell. I I don't know. I mean, and it could have just been someone like hunched down, like a like a smaller person with hunched down. I don't know. So if I don't see anything with the flashlight as I'm playing it over the the cargo container, I'm going to head to the closest gate in the fence and and get in and say, come Aaron, let's, let's, let's go in. Okay. So you don't see anything readily from this angle, but circumventing the gate, it's a padlock chained. It's all just needs you to tell me how you're planning on circumventing that. So we had talked to, what was his name? Bloomfield, about a stakeout. Mm-hmm. But that he told you 
because of the insurance situation, he couldn't leave the site unlocked. But if essentially, if he didn't see you on the property, then he couldn't do anything about it. But you don't exactly, you don't exactly have a key to the, the chain link fence. But is it a scalable fence? Is it enough where we could pull it just to get like a, a wide enough gap for one of us to be able to sneak in maybe? Well, I, I think maybe. I don't know if the quiet contemplation of Dr. Aaron Weber is going to help her get over this fence, but I, for one, would love to see you try. I think Winters could hoist me, though. Certainly. I like that idea. Yeah, so I think that this is a fantastic uh, opportunity for us to make a roll. Okay. And I think that that roll should probably first come, I would imagine, from Agent Winters. Okay. Because realistically, it's your athleticism that is going to have to play a part in this. And so I think it's it's a fairly simple strength roll. All right, fairly simple. Now, Dr. Weber, having spent time with me, you do realize I am also not the most athletic. And that's an 82 over 50. Okay, so you hoist Dr. Weber up and you get her close to the top of the bar, Dr. Weber, you can grab on. And so, Dr. Weber, I'll have you make a strength roll as well to continue the farce and see what happens. Okay. I rolled, what does it mean again when it's a, it's a zero on one and it's two zeros on the other one? Oh boy, you have fumbled jackpot so that is a critical failure which goes right along of course with uh you know goes right along with the elliot's failure so a fumble is a roll of 100 or any failure where the dice match so if your agent skill is 50 and you fumble on a 55 a 66 a 77 an 88 etc so you grab onto the bar and then you lose your grip because the bar at the top is very wet and it gets worse, sort of all the way down. Your clothes get caught on the chain link. And so your shirt rips from stem to stern. That's not the worst part. The worst part is, is you land on the concrete pad below it hard. And so I am going to deal you 1d6 points of hit point damage. And that's only one. But you are now flat on your back. Unfortunately for you, for you, Agent Winters, Dr. Weber falls onto you. So maybe that's why she only took a point of damages that you cushioned her fall. This does not work out very well for your knee in any way, shape, or form because of her fumble. I'm going to deal you some constitution damage, and that's three points of con damage. That's temporary, so we'll come back at some point. Oof! Ah. Weber! Ow! Damn it! Winters, I'm... I'm... Sorry. I'm starting to think that maybe Hart and Hawking should stay inside. Uh, we're both on the ground. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Weber, this is... This is humiliating. I hope they couldn't see this. No, I know. It's really stupid. Hawking and Hart, you both totally see all that happen. That's amazing. And just when... We thought it wouldn't get any worse. They tried to go inside the house and, well, clearly we're not supposed to be in there. Weber, you're, you're bleeding. Oh, from where? I pat myself down to try to figure out where I'm bleeding from. Oh, it's not hard. It's right here. Oh, great. It's right where the chain link grabbed your shirt and the chain link that, you know, the, the top of the chain link that they sort of bow together. There's always sometimes the little sharp edges that are left. This gives you a nice long slice mark all the way up your stomach and then essentially to right about where your collarbone is. Since my shirt is ripped open, I'll just take it off and just hold it onto... I have a bra on. Whatever. I just take it off and press it over my chest wound mm -hmm. and go back to one of the other... one of the two cars we have and rummage around for a spare t-shirt. Inevitably, someone has in their backseat or their trunk because every car has a spare t-shirt in a backseat or a trunk. I'm going to flip this coin. Okay. And we're going to see this special Delta green coin. We're going to see if there is a shirt 
in the back of that car. Okay. So there absolutely is a shirt in the back of that car, Agent. And it is a a commemorative shirt from a summer camp, Camp Beaver Falls. Looks like it's circa 1982-83. Great. You're not sure it's going to fit you very well, but it might be your only option. Perfect. Just this really goes with the trousers. I will put it on. I make sure the like once I get the bleeding to kind of stop, I will put my Camp Beaver Falls commemorative shirt on. And it probably looks really stupid and it also smells like someone's trunk. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like old McDonald's and um, maybe some motor oil you can smell on that. And there's a little bit of this strange must that you sort of get over top of all that. And you can feel the sort of that scent amplifies, of course, because it had no one's worn it in like a decade. But yeah, you're clothed. So Winters, I'm back on team staying outside of the house. Aaron, do you know on the back of that shirt, there's a beaver and it says can't get enough wood? Where, where did you get this? Where What is this? And it was in the trunk. Of whose car? What, did you go into Repo Man's car? What? What is? What? In, oh my god! I have half a mind to just call everything off, go back to the hotel, sleep it off, come back tomorrow after all this nonsense. This is. Winter's time is of the essence. Kids are going missing. We got solar eclipse coming up. We can't <sighs> look. I know I look stupid right now, and I'm sorry. Are you? Is your? Are you okay? Is your leg okay? It. It's twinging, but that's, that's not, I mean, in the rain, it's twinging anyway, so it's not really that big. You know what, Chompy, let's just go around the corner and, and, and we can take a look at the side of the building that our friends can't see. And uh, let's just settle in and do this uh, normal. And so we do. Okay. That's our plan now is to take the other side of the building, fuck going inside. The house doesn't want us inside. And we will take two sides of the building to see if we can get a good view of what's going on. Okay. Yeah, you take a couple different sides of the building, right? So there's there's another portion of this building you can view. You're able to view the Garretson Mansion from a different angle. It does afford you another opportunity to look at the mansion. There's clearly some sort of greenhouse or sunroom on one side of it. As it's being remodeled, it's a wonderful, beautiful-looking building, barring any of the additional information you have on it as it seems to be some sort of strange strange center point for things less than natural. Handler, any kind of gates or openings or anything? As we're walking by, I'm checking them. Now I'm starting to get a suspicion that all this activity that's going on, it's coming from inside the place. And so it's probably locked up tight, but I'm, I'm double-checking that as we're making our perimeter traversal. Certainly. Um, you get to the, not far side, but we'll just say, you get to the southern portion of the building. This is the portion that has that glass, sun, you know, sunroom, green, greenhouse, etc. And you notice that there's a small gate here that's made for essentially pickup trucks to drive drywall in to get close rather than to have to use the big gate, which is where they would have originally brought, you know, the concrete truck, etc., the big wide gate for for larger trucks. You notice with your uh, fairly eagle-eyed vision, when you pull on the chain that's associated with this smaller gate, that lock is only appearing to be locked. Oh, Aaron, look at this. What what is it, Winters? What? Someone set up a pretend. Check it out. I wonder if it was that guy that you talked to, that guy that's managing the construction site, or. The British guy? Everyone seemed to distrust that British guy. You, you talking about him? No, I meant the, the guy that we couldn't get in. We, he couldn't let us in, but we could sneak in or whatever. Oh, maybe he did us a, a solid. Oh, that's... I don't know. I shouldn't have jumped right to that British guy. That's that's rude of me. Yeah, let's go in. And I'll um, open up, slide open the chain, and open the gate wide enough to to get in. Hold it open behind me for Aaron Weber. Okay. You hold it open. Upon getting inside the interior fence line, you notice a couple of other things that you would not have as you roll up to the house or get closer to it. Behind one of the larger 
construction spaces for material, there does seem to be a small Toyota truck still on site, like a pickup truck. This is Toyota's version of the S10. It's, it's a very small truck. It's got a simple two-person cab, smaller than a Tacoma, put it that way. But it's still here. I think of those as the uh, Back to the Future trucks. Certainly. Someone working later. Some tickling. Did they say that someone was staying the night, staying over? Didn't one of the people that we talked to said, oh, they, they would they stayed the night trying to catch someone? No, they did previously. You also know that Peggy has worked late before for Mr. Bloomfield, and there is a, probably in your mind some strange association with it. You asked Bloomfield about that, but he tried to stay everything on the up and up that he was just trying to help her out, make sure she could get the hours that she needed. Maybe we should be we should be quiet winters because I don't want to I don't want to alarm anyone or, or maybe we should be loud so we don't catch anyone indisposed or I'm not worried about that. We were quite clear what we were going to be doing. I'm just going to click open the strap. I'm not going to actually pull it out of the holster, but I'm going to release the strap on that and I'm going to look for the likely place where whoever might have parked this Toyota would have entered the building. Oh, likely right over there. It's not too far from where they parked that there is some sort of side patio that you could access the house and you could get into one of the hallways that leads to a, a game room. There's a way you could get in. And I'll pause by that door and I'll send a quick text to Ruben team summarizing that we have gotten entry into the place. There's a Toyota truck here. Gate was unlocked and we are about to enter the McCallis, I mean the garrison building. I send back a thumbs up. And given my state, I think I actually say McAllister building. And then I send another text correcting myself. So, Winters and Weber, what is your collective search? Ooh, good question. Mm hmm. I have a 70. And I have a 60. So, both of you are pretty well on top of it. Okay. So, you both notice something on the ground nearby where you're walking in at. It's two very small, what look like almost footprints, maybe. There's definitely a larger sort of toe and then a series of four other toes. But the prints are very, not at all something that a dog might leave. And they seem to be red. It's here on the uh, cement. Like the foot or paw was bleeding? Well, more like... Being someone who has a daughter, you probably know what a stamp kit looks like. Yeah. It's even possible that this would be like a, it has that sort of form, like maybe somebody put a paw in something red. Because it's not just like it's bleeding, because it, it's fully covered, right? It's not, oh, there's a little bit of red here. The, the entire print is red. Yeah. I mean, it goes somewhere, right? So we can follow it. Does it look, you said it doesn't look like it is raccoon-like? You might equate it with a raccoon, certainly. Okay. And they seem to be in front of the door. But like a big raccoon. I was saying like a 20-pound raccoon? 20, 30 pounds? Just to be clear, are you saying that it's they look like it's stamped out? It's not an actual footprint? Looks like someone actually took a stamp and stamped out fake footprints, like Pink Panther style? What I mean is that when the print is left here, Weber asked... Was it bleeding? It's not like it was bleeding from a single portion of it. The entire print that is left is that same consistent color, right? And so it would be almost as if someone had stamped it, right? If I get close to it, can I rub my finger in it, smell it? I'm not going to lick it. You sure? I might lick it. Depends on how it smells, I might lick it. But first I'm going to smell it. It See, it's touch first, and then we're going to sniff. Okay, you touch it. Just a little bit of the fluid comes onto the, you know, into the fingerprint rings on your hand, on your on your finger. You smell it, and it almost smells like allspice, clove. It's a bit, it, it's aromatic. Winters, uh, smell this. It smells like Christmas, Weber. Yeah, that's weird. Now I'm going to take my gun fully out. 
of the holster and ready it as I'm looking through the door where these prints sort of lead to, trying to catch any glimpse of movement, listening for any sound. I'm also thinking, Elliot, um, I mean, yeah, it's interesting where it's going to. We could, we should follow that a bit, but we might also have to look at like where it's coming from, too. Just saying, I mean, it got stuff on its little paws. I mean, it got that weird stuff somewhere. It's not necessarily going back to the weird stuff. Just to keep in mind, but we probably got to find the animal first. Then maybe we can retrace its footsteps. No, I mean, it makes sense. There's not little footprints all running in a path throughout the place. There's just sort of these two prints here. You talking about outside or inside? Inside. Inside the house where we are. So inside, once you penetrate the walls of the establishment, you do notice that there are a couple of prints and they sort of trail off. It's left in the construction dust because not all the flooring here is done, but there's definitely something that came through this door. And that's sort of when your brain starts looking around at other things. You immediately, Winters, do the the cop thing, which is you go back to the door. Because what you want to know is, how in the F did this thing get in? And that's when you start seeing little tiny scratch marks by the door handle. And then you see almost pinpricks that have been left on the inside of the door frame, all lined up, four or five little pinpricks. Weber, this almost looks like the most delicate lockpicking attempt I've ever seen. Look at this. It's like little little claw marks scratching up the... And that's, did they, you think they drove that Toyota in here? Raccoons are smart. I've seen... No, my, I mean, my parents had a, an Australian Shepherd once. That kid thing could un- unlock and open a door, I swear. With his paws? Come on now. Well, I, no one ever saw him do it. I'm assuming with his paws, but... Weber, don't tell me you're one of them fur baby people, because I might leave you in here all by yourself if you tell me that right now. You break my heart. You tell me you're like one of these fur baby people. Well, mine all have feathers, but they're very smart, too. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. That's really when it starts for you, all of you, inside that house. You start seeing tiny little lines traced in the drywall, not terribly high off the ground. You see little things, little imperfections, things that other people probably wouldn't look at. I mean, the scratch marks you find in the drywall, not but two feet from where you're at, are maybe only two and a half feet off the ground. And they're very delicate, but they're there, Winters. They exist. Almost against my will, I'm going to start trying to put together any patterns that they might be seeing, because I've seen some troublesome patterns in the other place. Troublesome sigils and signs and diagrams, and I think that's exactly where my head starts to go, and I'm thinking, wow, is these, these things making these marks on purpose? Is this... Weber, this is almost... I swear, t- look at this, look at it. it. It feels intentional to me. Does this look intentional to you? It looks like these things look intentional to me. Yeah, they do. There's Why would... I'm, why else would they do it? it? It doesn't make any sense. We, you didn't see any of this when you were in here before in the day, did you? I don't know. We weren't really looking this way. I wasn't checking the the finish of their drywall to see how perfect it was. No goddamn raccoon is doing art, Weber. I don't care how smart they are. You see it, Weber. At the end of the hall, just for a moment, a shadow moves. Winters, you hear a sound at the back of the house, a thump. Elliot, it's over there. I saw it. I saw it move. Come on, we gotta go. I lead with my pistol and I rush down that hallway. And I start calling out, stop, stop. Is there someone here? Full cop mode. Just reflex. You rush out from the game room into a lounge area. You beat feet directly towards where that sound is coming from. And you get to what looks like the outside of a bathroom area. Remember, it's been retrofitted now and remodeled. It's no longer a mansion, it's condominiums. And so the ground floor that you're on has been retrofitted into a, we'll just say, semi-commercial space for receiving people or for being um, 
you know, as close to a luxury hotel lobby as one might consider it. But it's retained its colonial architectural ideas, and so everything is segmented, right? There's no open air, airy, no wall situation here. It's all segmented. And for you winners, that's a nightmare because it means the thing could be anywhere and there's no lights on in the house. And so you're leading with your gun and your flashlight. And I will leave you right there and we'll go back out to the car where Ward and Agent Hawking are waiting. And it's now from the car, you can see a flashlight moving very rapidly the first floor of that mansion. Ah, damn it. I'm going to open the car door and start moving towards, you know, the fence with my own flashlight and my gun, like the the holster open, but I haven't pulled it out yet. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Let's call them. Let's call them first. Come on. And I'm also getting out of the car. (laughs) Okay. Are you calling them? Oh, I'm 100% calling them. Okay. So... As your feet continue to move, Winters, your phone starts to ring and it is literally the worst possible thing because it destroys all the exterior noise you were trying to draw from to understand where this thing is going. And it just, yeah, your face is washed with frustration. Do you answer the phone? I stop, I pull it out, I answer it. And now I've got a a gun and a flashlight and I'm going to try and wedge the cell phone between cheek and shoulder. And then now I'm, I'm walking. I'm not rushing anymore. I can't like the, the concentrations broke. Like you said, now I'm more worried about my safety, about Aaron's safety. I check back and yeah. Yeah. We saw something in here. Can Weber just grab the phone off of winter's shoulder? I don't, I don't see why he couldn't. Because he's got like his hands full. He's got, I would just take it when he's like trying to get it out. Oh, thank God. I let it go. I give you a, 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 a happy nod and I proceed more slowly forward. Okay. What's the situation? We, uh, we saw something in here. Uh, you guys can get, can get in or, or maybe, uh, I don't know, go, go around the side to flank him. I don't know. There's, I don't know, there's raccoons or something. There's scratches all over the wall, and, and someone's picking locks, and there's red footprints. Did you just say raccoons? So, winners, through the exterior noise, you hustle all the way back to where this original sound came from, and you find yourself in a game room. And in the game room here at the Garrison Mansion, there are... Well, a couple of pool tables in the middle. And then along the external walls, you see several stand-up arcade machines and a pinball machine. It doesn't look like the creme de la creme of games to be played here. It looks like it's something as maybe was done as an afterthought a little bit. Because the floor here is still concrete. The sound definitely went this way. So I'm sort of half listening to Dr. Weber's conversation. And then I'm going to stop in the doorway and I'm going to scan. I'm going to take a look at the ceiling. I've got this flashlight. It's Hopefully there's a window in here, but the lighting is, is awful. So I'm going to scan corners, doors. And if I move into the room, I'm going to move into the room looking around underneath. So I'm taking a very cautious approach as I sweep and try and clear this room correctly. Okay. Weber, are you with him? Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't just stand and talk on the phone. I would be following with the phone. Okay. You move through the room. I would say the room is 20 by 20, give or take. Uh, There's also a space where they're going to put in some sort of a refrigerator, maybe for beverages or whatever. The room's not totally done yet, but it is fairly close to being done. And... You get spooked. At the far end of the room, one of the arcade machines suddenly turns on. It's Qbert. And so your reflexes probably take over way faster than you want them to, Winters, and your gun gets pointed at the offending Qbert machine. You know, if you want to flip that coin, given my my tenuous mental state at this moment, I might even pull the trigger on a arcade gun. Heads, tails. Mm-hmm. Which one would you like? 
tails is a, a trigger squeeze. Okay, so the delta green symbol is the trigger squeeze. Very good. You are pulling the trigger. I release two rounds straight in center mass of the Cubert cabinet. Oh, that hurts me. That hurts me, the player. Cubert, oh, that was a favorite when I was growing up. It's literally one of my favorite arcade games ever. You pop off two shots. That is something that you pick up on Hawking immediately as you get closer to the building. You hear gunfire. And that's never a good thing when entering a situation like this. The Cubert machine, unfortunately, takes a direct hit to the monitor. The first round pierces the plastic, you know, sort of outer housing of the screen, and the second one completely and utterly shatters the monitor inside. And from inside, there is a very slow... As Cubert is no more. Behind you, Weber, you hear a very distinct sound of something thumping up the stairs. Like, you know the sound of kids feet make when they're running upstairs too fast? Yeah. Dip, 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 dip. That's what you hear. Winners, uh, did you hit them? I, th- I think you missed them. They're going up the stairs and I will just, I will like great, maybe graze Winners' shoulder with my hand like I'd be like turn, but then Weber's going to take off because who knows what else is in this room or whatever Winners shot because I probably, probably happened so fast that I didn't even see what he could have shot. Probably not. Hawking and Hart, you enter at your own discretion. You enter the Garretson Mansion. Once you're within the fence line, getting to the door you saw them going to is not difficult to surmise. Is the line still open? Yeah, the line's still open. Continue to talk. I'm hearing Weber say all these things. Yeah. Yeah, you would hear me say, like, uh, Winters, uh, I think it's upstairs. I don't know what you shot, but you hear me, like, panting, kind of. Because heart heart rate's up. Okay, well, is that us firing or something firing at you? What's going on? And I'm racing towards the location. Elliot shot something, but I saw something run upstairs. We're gonna, I'm going to head upstairs and, and see if I can follow it. He must not have got him. What is it? I don't know, Brett. All right, am I there that yet? Yeah. So, Winters, are you pausing for a moment? Or are you going up there with... Weber? I mean, I will finish my action and move towards the cabinet, make sure nothing's there, try and figure out why it turned on, but if I don't see anything immediately, I'm going to turn around and follow Dr. Weber. I'm not going to leave her alone. I wouldn't say that you don't see anything immediately. Let's not be too hasty. So you head in across that 20-foot space, the concrete floor, And when you do, I guess there's the sound of movement behind the video game machines from your right to your left. So Cuber's far right and other machines turn on. And then there is a loud sort of rattling near the left end of these stand up machines. I will yell back towards Aaron that there's something in here. There's something in here. And then I'm going to try and pinpoint this thing following behind my gun so I keep it up and pointed you follow the line you follow the noise very quickly and as you're getting towards the end of the machines agent Hawking is going to make his entrance to the space heart if you're with them you as well and Weber's heading up the stairs regardless oh don't you worry I'll get to you okay and I'm just making sure that they know Weber's took off yeah so Hawking and uh, Hart, you would not see Weber when you arrive on scene. Would I have heard Weber over the phone? Or would it just be kind of a garbled kind of thing? Cell phones back in the late 90s are not that great. Audio intelligibility is pretty poor at that point, unless you're, you know, ear up to the phone. It's not like it is now. And no one was on speakerphone either. So I would say not well, if any. Okay. Um. So... You're on site, Agent Hawking. Agent Hart, what are you doing? You see Elliot. You see him tracing back and forth, pistol out. You see a arcade machine to the right already smoking. You probably would have heard me call out to Dr. Weber also than if you arrived like this. But I wouldn't know you're there unless you tell me. Winters, where's Weber? 
Oh, thank God. Agent Harp. And I'm not even, I'm not, I'm screaming while facing the noise. But Agent Harp, she heard a noise and she's following it upstairs. There's something in this room. I can hear it behind these cabinets. And I don't say another word. I'm just bolting up the stairs because I remember from the McAllister building that Weber didn't really do very well alone and neither did I. So, yeah, speaking of being alone, Dr. Weber, you head upstairs and in doing so, enter a much different space. So this space here is a lot more wide open. You come up the stairs and immediately turn right into what appears to be sort of a open space where it's probably about 15 feet wide, probably about 10 feet deep. And you can see that there's a kitchen off to the right. And then to your more immediate right, there's a big dining room, big tables, chairs, fancy chandelier, the whole thing. Do I hear a heart following me? Yeah, it hasn't happened for you yet. Okay, perfect. Because I want to try to hone my ears in and listen to see if I can hear the movement about anywhere. Like tune out anything that's going on downstairs and just focus on hearing the silence and any movement that's happening upstairs, especially since I don't really have much light. So I will have to rely on my other senses like taste. Your alertness is 60. That's pretty high. So you're going to move through that space a little bit and you'll end up just honing in on what you're listening for. You feel like it's back towards the front of the garrison mansion. You follow that instinctively, just trying to make sure that you don't lose out on the sound. You're sort of tilting your head left or then tilting it right and just really like, okay, where is the next step? And you walk into a space that appears to be a library. I say appears to be because there's there are no books here yet. There is a beautiful circular library here near the front of the house where it looks like there are five distinct floor-to-ceiling curved bookshelves. The library itself is probably a room that is 18 by 20. So it's fairly large. There's part of it that has regular standard bookshelves, but the keen senses that you have are drawing you toward that circular space. Then I will kind of enter in, get my bearings around me and see if I can notice if anything in particular stands out to me in there. Like what has, it almost doesn't seem like something moved in here, but something's drawing me in here. Very suspicious. (laughs) So I go closer. Certainly. I delve in, Mike. You delve in. In the library space, you hear a voice, a soft one, and you hear it say, How's Holly? You know what? No, I'm going to do my actual, Miranda's actual reaction is the reaction that Aaron Weber has. And that's to say, You son of a bitch. And I start spinning around to try to see where the voice comes from. You spin. And you spin and you're trying to search and, and hunt all the cracks and crevices, the corners, all of the bookshelf spaces looking for it. And you hear, I'm right here. It's a playful, almost childlike voice. I'm right here. Come find me. I'm not far. Oh, I'll find you. And you're going to regret it when I do. And I start, I would even maybe start knocking things over if things are around like these shelves. I'll tip them over. Light vandalism. Light vandalism. Light vandalism is something that I can get down with. Uh, You tip over a bookshelf, a large one, actually. This is something that you will hear, Agent Hart, upon reaching the top of the steps. You'll hear a crash from, I wouldn't say deeper in the Garretson Mansion. I would say towards the front of the Garretson Mansion. There's a crash. That's when you come face to face with it tucked into the wall just barely beyond the drywall just deeper into that drywall space you see two very childlike hands that have been twisted and changed 
At the end of the each finger, there's a very tiny claw. And deep in the drywall, you see two red eyes that stare back at you. And you hear House Holly that echoes inside the space. And now you'll make me a sanity roll. Earl to 69. Nice. Over 45. It's not a fumble. That's the best way I can say it. So you are going to lose two points of sanity. Okay. And that loss is from the unnatural. You haven't lost five or more, so there's no temporary insanity that you have to worry about. But holy shit, what the fuck is that thing? Okay, so it's not going to impact my anxiety disorder, right? Nah. I feel like Aaron, I feel like Aaron's getting real close here to a panic attack, Mike. Play it, play as it lies. If you feel like the agent is getting close to a panic attack, give yourself a panic attack. I do. I mean, I feel like it. I don't want to take that away from you because I know you would told tell me when I have one. But I also don't feel like Aaron wouldn't lose her fucking mind in this. <laughs> she might. I mean, like when you think about someone's mental stability, and we talk about losing mental stability. You are going to suffer the first... The first part of this trauma is shock. Whatever happens afterwards is how you feel fight, flight, or, you know, the extenuating circumstances about how she would react is really, in my mind, up to you. Like, I don't want to take that agency from you. So if you feel like Aaron would, you know, step back and try to punch this thing, then fine. If you feel like she would run away, if you feel like she would try to hide, that's fine too. Whatever you'd like to do. No, my number one motivation is protecting Holly Weber from the future. So fuck this thing. It's not going to fucking get her. And Aaron Weber goes to tackle it and she's calling out to Hart. Hart, do you have a gun? Hart, hurry, a, a knife, anything. I, and obviously when I hear Dr. Weber in distress, I'm going to be hoofing it right over there. My gun is drawn. I have my flashlight up, ready to go. Okay, so I love the idea of you trying to tackle this thing because it's inside a wall. That's fine. And I think that that is a fascinating opportunity for us to engage in something what we would call close to combat. It's it's dark. I'm, I've ran into a wall before. Okay, so the way the initiative works is dex from highest to lowest. So Dr. Weber's dexterity is a 10. Um... What does the wall have? Oh, well, you're you're trying to tackle something, so you're you're going to go for the thing. I would imagine, not just the wall. Yeah. Well, it's going to go before you, and that's okay, because I'm sure that everything will be fine. It takes its action. That's all I'll say. Feel free to um, make an attack roll against the wall. I will gladly do that if I wanted to tackle. And that is some sort of maneuver. What would we call that? We would call it unarmed combat because you're not currently armed. Yes. So you would roll unarmed combat. Okay. You know what? I'm just going to put set these dice aside. <laughs> roll the six. Oh, fantastic. So you do really, really, really well. You leap forward and you reach your hands out to throttle this thing because it wants Holly and you are never going to let that fucking happen. And so with all your consumed panic, you channel it into rage and you reach out into the, the depths of this drywall and down into the cavity of this wall, not thinking for a single solitary second about your own safety when reaching your arms elbow deep into this cavity. And you feel along your forearms very tiny pinpricks that tickle up and down your forearms. And you grab nothing but air. And you smash your face into the top of the drywall. Asian Heart, you arrive. What is it? Where... Where do you need me? It's in the fucking wall. Heart, it went in the wall. I fucking get it. Where in the wall? Because I'm looking, right? Weber is standing 
in front of the wall. So it's like I'm trying to like look around her like where where in the wall would this thing be? I mean, maybe down, maybe up. Who, who knows? I mean, I guess in the immediate sense, I'm not sure you, how much you know about construction, but yeah, I mean, she reached in there for it. Are your arms still in there, Dr. Weber? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm elbow shoulder deep in this thing. Okay. Yeah, she's trying to grab something in a wall, and you don't really know how you could help her. Uh, Weber, is it here? And I'm going to, like, pat on your your shoulders and kind of, like, down your arm, because I'm not exactly sure what's happening. And if it's inside the wall, I'm going to need that information. What do you mean, here? That's me. That's my shoulders in the wall. Heart. Well, you're currently in the wall. Is it behind where you are? So I grab the drywall and I just start ripping chunks off. Okay. That scans. You begin ripping chunks of the wall off. So I will flash back down to Agent Hawking and Agent Winters, who are in the same space in this game room. Winters, I got your back, Iceman. Brett, follow. The, see how these things are going on. It's it's back behind these. It's And as it's moving behind and the machines are turning on, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm moving up in trying to track wherever I last saw some evidence of, oh, there's that devil dog. You continue to search and you get all the way to the end of the line. And so his flashlight lands on sort of the underside of a pinball machine. And on the underside of this pinball machine, there's a white grate. It is two by two. It looks like it's a cold air exchange, maybe or a return or something like that. Is it attached to the wall? As you look at it deeper, three of the four screws are in it. That grates looks like it maybe has a little play. Brett, cover me. I'm going to scrabble underneath the pinball machine and pull, just pull on the grate and see if it pulls away from the wall. Oh, yeah, right away. It doesn't take uh, very much. So you get at that first pull, you get maybe, you know, six, eight inches of clearance. And then with you know, just the slightest tremble, the screws, the other three screws come right out. That thing crawled in there, no doubt about it, Breton. I'm going to point my flashlight in with the gun and try and... I'm not going to be standing right in front of the grate, so I'm sort of giving it a little bit of an edge, but looking inside, trying to see what I could see. Well, there does appear to be tiny scratches and claw marks here at some of the edge of the aluminum sheeting here that makes up the ductwork. Brett, I swear, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I, I, I heard it, I saw it. I saw something. I don't think you're crazy. And I, yeah, I'm just covering the room so he can work. Aaron saw something too. I, I swear, we gotta, we gotta figure out a way to get into this basement. There's a crash from upstairs. Son of a... <sighs> what do you think, Brett? I think they can handle it. I think Hart can handle it. Okay. Oh, Hart went up there. Oh, good, good, good. Weber ain't, ain't, ain't got any uh, any weaponry. It's two by two. How wide do you think my shoulders are, Handler? I think that you could probably, probably get, you know, a shoulder. And this is a commercial building. So the HVAC work in here is a little different. It's not sized for a house. So there's going to be a little bit of extra width in it. I think you might be able to get a portion of your body down there to have a real good look. Brett, I have a real bad idea. What is that? It involves me crawling in this vent and trying to make egress into this basement. Okay. Yeah, that fucking sucks. What do you need? I need you to follow me if I disappear. Or if you just hear me ho hollering and screaming, uh, follow me with that too. Okay, let's go. I'm going to slide in. If I have a jacket on, I'm going to take it off. Any other things that might catch, but I'm definitely going to keep my gun in hand and I'm going to wiggle into this vent, John McClane style. I think that is a fantastic opportunity for us to end this episode of our Delta Green Ocell adventure. And I say adventure because clearly all of them are being very adventurous. So we're going to pick it up next episode with 
Elliot in some HVAC work, and Dr. Weber destroying some drywall. We hope you have enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to entertaining you very soon. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>